turn to Colossians chapter 1. This is the third week of a series that we are in called There's No Place Like Home. We've been discussing what home is all about. Today we're talking about how that home is where we serve together. And this series is based on the purpose statement of our church. It's, it's time that we're doing it this time because this is the time of year we see a lot of, of new people who are uh, joining us and coming to check us out. And so we like, to, we like to state what the church is all about and answer as many questions as we can. And so we have a purpose statement that's comprised of five E's. And week one, we started with this. We talked about the word exalt, the E for exalt. And the first thing that we're going to do here is we're going to exalt Christ in everything we do. That's the first part of our purpose statement. Week two is the second thing that we're going to do here. And that is we're going to encourage godly relationships through our daily lives. And that is our fellowship aspect. And so the first two weeks we covered worship. We covered fellowship. Today we're going to cover ministry because the third one is this. We're going to equip believers to discover and use their God-given gifts. So I take you to the text. I'm reading from God's Word translation, Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. We're going to find out in these two verses two things. First of all, we're going to find out what God wanted, and then we're going to find out what we want. What God wants is more important than what we want, but we're going to find out how they correlate. And it says that God wanted his people throughout the world to know the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ living in you, giving you the hope of glory. Man, I mean, we stop right there for a minute, read that again, let that get in your spirit, and we can have one of those runaways here for a minute because that's an exciting thing. Christ, this is what it's saying, Christ in us is our hope of attaining glory. That's what that means. Christ in us is the reason why we someday are going to attain eternal glory. And so the next verse explains how that's going to happen. God wanted this to happen. So, verse 28, we spread the message about Christ as we instruct and teach everyone with all the wisdom there is. Here's what we want. What's God want? God wants for everybody to know Christ, right? That's the first verse. Here's what we want. We want to present everyone as mature Christian people. So God wants everybody in verse 27 to everybody to know Christ. And we want to present everybody to God as mature knowers. Amen. And so this is the reason for this part of the purpose statement. We have to equip people to discover and use their God given gifts so that they can be involved in this thing that we now know as the Great Commission. Because God wanted everybody to know the truth about Jesus, the good news about Jesus, and because we want to make sure that we do our part to present everybody to Him as those knowers. That's why we're going to equip believers to discover and use their God-given gifts. The question then is this. How are we going to accomplish this mission? And I think it starts with the word, the, there's a word there, the word spread. It's our starting place. We spread the message about Christ. The word spread there means three things. It means to declare, to proclaim, or to show. Now here's how that pertains to us. Not just our particular body of believers, but to the church in general. 
Here's what that looks like. Here's how that spread takes place. It spread is to declare. So we declare God's word and we declare his promises to everybody. We declare. Secondly, we proclaim his might and his power through his word, through the signs and the wonders and the miracles that he does among us. He does those things among us, does he not? Do you not still see the the miraculous hand of God? So he does those things, so we proclaim that. We declare that he can, then we proclaim that he does. And then we show his love to everyone that we come in contact with. Now when all of that's happening, you've got a powerful church. When you've got people that are showing the love of Christ to everyone they come in contact with, and in the midst of, of them showing the love of Christ... We declare how good God is, and then we proclaim what he has done and what he's doing. And people are like, I want to be a part of that. I want to be in a place where that God himself actually shows up and moves and changes people's lives and does miraculous things. And so Paul lists in verse 28 that We spread this message, as I just said, we spread this message when, and then he gives us three things. And this is what we're going to focus on for just a few minutes today. We spread this message, number one, when we instruct. And some of you are getting ahead of me and say, okay, I I know what that means. Instruct means teach. No, teach is is the next one. Teach is going to be the next one. You say, I thought instruct and teach the same things. No, you got to look at what the word means in context. What does the word instruct mean in context? It doesn't mean to teach. In its context, the word here means to admonish or to gently warn. This isn't, now some of your minds are going to that, oh, does that mean that, that we should be like that guy that stands up on the street corner with a Bible swinging at people as they go by and scream and they're all going to hell? That is not this word. This word means gentle warning. It doesn't mean insane warning. How many people do you think are won to Christ by that approach? With somebody standing up and they're foaming at the mouth, their eyes are red, they're screaming, they're swinging. They're cry- and how many people do you see coming around them, getting on their knees and shedding tears and repenting? You know why they don't? Because it's in our nature to rebel against that kind of mess. Whether we think they're right or wrong, we won't receive that type of ministry. Very few people will. In fact, maybe the only ones that I don't know, maybe the only ones that are affected by that are people that are away from God, that know the truth, and the word of any kind convicts them. And so when they hear that, it just reminds them whether they, how far away from home they are. And, and so, but I'm going to tell you that that kind of ministry does not work very often. In fact, what it does is it pushes people away. This is talking about when it says to instruct, it's talking about a gentle warning a a friendly how would it be an earnest friendly advice earnest friendly advice so the message is urgent the message is very pressing we're not it's not that we're taking anything from that in this instruction that we're talking about this admonishing that we're talking about here it's not that you're that you're trying to to, to soften it in any way, but there's a way that's got to be done. You say, well, you need to illustrate that. I don't understand how you can, how can we 
gently admonish people. I don't get how does that work. You're saying that, that we need to give people friendly, earnest advice or, or gentle encouragement when it comes to the things of God. Here's what this kind of instruction looks like. There's a farmer here in the state got a sign up on a post on his farm and it reads like this. This is gentle warning. This is earnest, friendly advice. His sign says, please do not trample the poison ivy or feed the bull. That. Am I right? In a physics laboratory, a laser that was labeled above it, a sign that says, don't look into the laser beam with remaining eye. That is a gentle warning. No one's standing there screaming. You get the picture. The first part of how this is to be done is the church is not to, we are not to water down our message. We are not going to water down, we are not going to stop what we do. We're not going to to ever quench the Holy Spirit. We're never going to get away from holiness and sanctification and godliness and righteousness and preaching the truth the right way that it should be preached and all of its counsel. We're not going to stop doing that, but we're going to do it in a way that says, we love you. We're telling you this not because we hate you and want you to go to hell. We're telling you this because we love you and we want you to go to heaven. That's a gentle warning. That's what instruct means. So we instruct. He goes on to say, and then we teach. It's number two. Paul said, here's how we're going to do this. It's interesting. He said, we teach and we preach with, catch this, with A-L-L, with all wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? Let me ask it this way. Where does all wisdom come from? Whether wisdom is earthly or spiritual. Because see, we get it in our mind. Earthly wisdom is something that anybody can attain just by living here a long time. And that's true. But it's still wisdom. And it still comes from God. Spiritual wisdom can be given to anybody that James said, if anybody lacks wisdom, let them, let them ask God who gives liberally and upbraideth not. So any, any child can pray for wisdom and they can receive wisdom from God. If you pray the prayer in faith, believe it, you can be a person of wisdom. There's two different kinds of wisdom. The second one is not, is not earthly knowing things that come by experience. It's wisdom that is given from God. The first one is something that you attain by experience and haven't been here a long time. But both of them come from God. Paul said we will use all wisdom, whether it came from our knowledge of having experience of living here or that special wisdom that God gives us when we ask for it, we'll use every kind of wisdom, Paul said, that we could get our hands on in order to teach people and preach to people the truth. So we're gently admonishing, we're warning, we're living it out, and then in all wisdom... In all wisdom, we are teaching and preaching this gospel message. Now, wisdom, when it comes from God, through teaching and preaching, will bring life. You still with me? Wave at me. 
The kind of teaching and preaching that comes from God does not put people to sleep. Rather, it inspires, it challenges, it excites, it wakes people up. Have you ever been in those messages where you just, man, I mean, by the time they were done, you were on the edge of your seat and you were just looking for a switch. You wanted to find a switch and just go whip a devil's tail. Like, man, I just got to go find a switch. I am ready to just whip his tail. This is what the word of God should do to you. When you read it, when you hear it, when it gets in your heart, this word of God is alive. It is not a dead historical account of the lives of people from a couple thousand years ago. This is a living, practical word that applies to your daily lives and situations. And that should excite you. When you get a chance to hear the word of God presented as it should be, you should be excited about that. You should be like, man, I love to hear the word when it is taught and proclaimed and preached the right way. In all wisdom. Now, I've heard some of those sermons before, and those, that's what I would call them. I like to hear messages from God. I like to hear those things that are messages hot off the grill. I'm not big on sermons. Somebody wrote down from somebody else's and they read them to me. I don't, I don't, first of all, I don't care too much to be read to ever since I was a little kid. I, I liked it when I was trying to go to sleep. I guess I equate that I'm like Pavlov's dog. I was a little boy. They read to me. I went to sleep. If I'm sitting in a church and they read to me, guess what I think I should do? And so there was a little boy that was asked, he said, little fella, Tell me what's the highest number you ever counted to. He thought for a minute and he said, one time I counted all the way to 5,372. He said, why'd you stop there? He said, church was over. The man went to the doctor. He needed advice because he was snoring so bad. And the doctor said, does your snoring disturb your wife? He said, does it disturb my wife? Yeah, it disturbs the whole congregation. When we teach and we preach the way that God intended his word to be delivered, it's not going to put people to sleep, but it will excite them and encourage them to minister to others. And it brings me to the third one. He said, we will... Instruct, we will teach, and then we will present. Now, this is a future one. This is really neat. Stay with me just a couple more minutes. This is a really cool thing right here. This one says that, that if we accomplish the commission that we've been given, then one day we're going to be able to stand before God and present to him the ones we ministered to. Remember what I said our, the E was? It's ministry. This is the one that gives us the opportunity someday to stand before God and present to him the ones we ministered to. Present. Can you imagine the joy that it will bring you on that day when, when you get to see all the people who made it to heaven because you played a part in ministering to them in some tangible way? Well, and I'm going to tell you something, you're going to be shocked, you're going to be surprised. Some of the people there, the reason they were there was something that you did and you, and you would have not even thought about it. They're going to say, I'm here today because of James Stewart. 
And he's going to be like, well, what did I, and James was like, what did I say? And they'll say, no, you didn't say anything. I'm here today because of James Stewart, because of the way he lived his life every day. I watched him from afar. He was a consistent man. He loved his wife. He loved his family. He took care of him. And that right there changed my life. And he ministered to that person, didn't even know he was doing it. And someday he will stand in heaven and present somebody to the Lord. He didn't even know he did it. And that person will own up and say, here's how I got here. Can you imagine how that will make you feel if there's a throng of people in heaven and they're saying, I'm here because of you. I'm here because of you. I'm here because of something you said. I'm here because of something you did. I'm here because of something that you thought. The way that you acted toward me. The way that you reached out to me. I'm here because of you. Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like on judgment day when we get to do that? That's what present is about. Pastor, I don't preach and I don't teach and I'm not a leader. I'm not a minister. That's not true. The Bible teaches us that we are all ministers. There is a five-fold gift in Ephesians that's found that talks about apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. You may not be called to one of them, but that's not a minister. Those are the five-fold gifts of Christ to the church for the full, full-time pulpit ministry. Just because you're not called to that does not mean that you're not a minister. The scripture says that we are all ministers to Christ. I read a story about an elderly lady. She was restricted in her activities because of her health. But she still had a zeal in her heart to serve Christ. And she didn't know what to do. So she prayed about it. Then one day she realized... That she did have a gift. She did have a talent. She did have a way that she could encourage other people. Just came to her one day after prayer. So she placed a small ad in the Oakland Tribune. Here's what it said. Quote, pianist will play hymns. Listen to this. Pianist will play hymns by phone daily for those who are sick and despondent. And the service is free. And then she included her phone number. And when people would call her, she would ask on the phone, what hymn would you like to hear today? And they would tell her, and she would put the phone down and play that hymn for the person on the other end. They found within a few months that she had cheered up probably hundreds, several hundred people that she had ministered to. And a lot of them, after she put the phone, after she picked the phone back up, They poured their hearts out to her, and she was able to encourage them and pray with them just because she was willing. You say, man, that's crazy. I could just see that. People calling. Nobody's going to do that. They did. Hundreds of people. She lays her phone down and plays her piano. And someday she'll be in heaven presenting all of her people to Christ because she served. She ministered. You know what that, that, that E we're talking about is? It says we're going to equip believers to discover and use their God-given gifts. Again, that's not just a cool sentence that we thought up. There's a reason why that's in the purpose statement. There's a reason why all of those are in the purpose statement. Because we've got a purpose. We've got a plan. Got a direction that we're going in. What can I do, Pastor? There's a lot of things you can do. 
You can volunteer. You can serve. You can pray. You can give. Let me tell you another one that you can do. This one's huge. It'll shock you. You can smile. You know how many people you'll minister to this week if you just smile? I'm not talking about one of them weird, freaky, scary kind of smiles that makes children shriek and hide behind their parents. I'm talking about legitimate, real smiles, not that fake thing that you that you that you get every time you get your phone out. I'm talking about I'm talking about a real, genuine. I love you. I care about you. Smile. That smile that says, "I'm not trying to get anything from you." I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm just smiling at you. Because I'm happy. And I hope you are too. Just smile. Minister to somebody. There's a lot of ways here to do that. And usually when we talk about this, people always, their minds always go to here at the church. And it's true. A lot of places here where that you can get involved. There's a lot of things you can do. You can hold a door and greet people as they're coming in and smile at them there. You, you can help them out at the, at the welcome tent or, 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 or you can help them out in the gathering hall. Or you can handle one of these cameras. Man, you say, I, I see these guys running around with these cameras. That's pretty cool. What are they doing? They're running these cameras so that people all over the world can hear the same messages that you're hearing. Two weeks ago, we found out that we were ministering to people all over the world. There's so many ways that you can serve here, but then let's go beyond that. Maybe somebody this week needs to go home and take out an ad in the paper and say, I'll play hymns on the phone or something. I don't know. I'll tell jokes. Clean Christian jokes. To cheer people up. Be creative. God's creative. He would tell you. If you want to know. And I'm looking at people that. that So many of you have discovered those gifts a long time ago. And you've been using those things for God for a long time. And I'm so proud. I'm so thankful for that. But I'm I'm, I'm talking to people right now. Who are still in the throes of trying to discover. What is that God given gift. And how can they use it for God. What is it. God what do you want me to do. So here at Trinity, that's what we're going to be about. We're going to be about equipping those believers to discover how that they can do ministry with their gifts and abilities. Because I want everybody to have the chance to be a part of the plan of God according to these verses. There's no place like home, is there? No place like home. And home is where we serve together. Home is where we join together. Home is where we carry out the commission that our Father has given us. And until we get to heaven... This is home. And until then, we're going to be busy equipping people to discover and use their God-given gifts. We're going to keep ministering till we get home. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for everybody in this room. Some of you that are already in the midst of, of using those gifts, praise the Lord. I want to encourage you. And I want to pray for those who are trying, attempting to discover what that gift is. You say, well, pastor, how are we going to find it out? I'm going to tell you this. We're doing everything that we know how to do here to present ministries, options, classes, anything that we can do. We're, we're throwing a broad net and all you have to do is get involved somewhere. Where that you, and even if, even if you, we had some people get involved someplace 
thinking that was it. And they go two or three weeks and say, well, that wasn't it. And then we say, that's okay. That's cool. Let's try something else. Now, don't try one thing, get discouraged, and quit the church. Right? If this isn't where you're supposed to be, I, I loved it years ago. We had a, a sweet sister who, many of y'all remember Sister Donna Biddle. She passed away. Are you ready for this? She passed away the day that the towers fell. This day, 15 years ago, she passed away. I remember they called me and they said, I believe it was Jennifer, her daughter. She called me. She said, Mama's not doing well. She's hanging on for something and we don't know why. And we've tried to tell her, you know, Mama, we know you're suffering and you could go. And I said, I'll be over in a minute. I, I went over to the house. I walked up to her and I took her by the hand. And I said, Donna, people are here. They love you. We love you. I said, I just want you to know something. You've made your peace and they've made their peace. Everybody's good with each other. I said, I just want you to know something, Donna. It's okay for you to go home. It's all right for you to go home. Came back to the church. They called me within, uh, within probably an hour and a half, two hours. They said, she passed. She's gone. She said to me one day, her and her husband had been cleaning the church. I'd talked them into taking over the, the hospitality for a Sunday school class. And I mean, they did it with excellence, guys. Every week, my, my Sunday school class, it was a young adult class because I was a young adult back then. I was 30. We had a big old class and every week they would walk into this major feast. Her and Bill would put this on every week. And she did this for probably a year, year and a half. And one day she came to me and she said, Pastor, I'm so ashamed. She said, we just don't really have the energy to keep doing that. We just don't really have the heart to do it. She said, I just feel so terrible. I said, Donna, it's okay. You've done it with excellence. Look at this. It's amazing. You've done it with excellence all this time. I didn't ask you to do it till Jesus came. She said, you mean it's okay if we stop? I said, yeah, it's fine. Do something else. Is there something else you'd like to do? She thought for me. She said, ah, oh, yes. Pastor, you know what I love to do? I said, what? She said, I love to write notes. I love to write encouraging notes. I said, that's it. That's it. Donna, that's what you got to do. No more donuts. Tell Bill, don't worry about it. Stop worrying about that and write notes. How many in this church ever received one of those encouraging notes from Donna Biddle? You've been around long enough. I got some of them. You know what we remember about Donna? That butterfly pin that she always wore on her shoulder. That, she, that, that was just a little butterfly. You remember that? That butterfly pin. Donna was doing her best. The only way she knew how to encourage and bring joy to other people. And she ministered to me. Maybe I'll be one of those, one of these days that she gets to present. You say, well, pastor, you'd have been there anyway. Well, I hoped, I would hope to. I mean, I was the pastor of the church at that time. I would hope that I'd be there. But I'm saying that it'd be pretty cool to be in lots of people's lines. Your life affected mine. Your life affected mine. You said something. You, you wrote a note. You did. 
How is it that you can serve and minister other people? I want to pray for you. If you're attempting to discover what is that God-given gift that you can use for the church, just stick your hand up. I'm st- Pastor, I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to discover what that... If that's you, let me see your hand. I'm not, I'm not saying if you're an axe murderer and you, and you want me to pray for you that won't go to hell. I'm asking if you're trying to discover your God-given gift and you want to use it for the kingdom of God. I'm, Pastor, pray for me. I want to discover my gift and I want to be able to use it for His church. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. All over, church, join with me. Let's pray. God, you see these folks with these hands lifted? And God, the only reason they're lifting their hand is because they mean it. They wouldn't do it otherwise. It's in their heart. It's something that they pray about all the time. They think about all the time. They've asked you several times. And yet, God, it is so simple. It is so easy. that Probably they're just skipping over it. God, what is it that they like to do? What is it that they enjoy doing? That they could do for you. That they could share with someone else. I pray, oh Lord, that you would help us today as we discover what those gifts are. We want to be able to use them for your glory. I'm going to open the altars up here in a moment. This is something we do every week. This is a house of prayer. We never want to leave here without having have an opportunity to respond to the word that God has put in our hearts. And so we're going to open it up and you can you can come and pray. I, I would like to ask our prayer team today if, if, if you'll help me. Prayer team, would you would you just kind of scatter out like we do so many times? Prayer team, they'll, the, the prayer team, these guys and gals are going to end up all over the building. If you need prayer, if you want to go to them for healing. Uh, if you need direction, wisdom, they're not, they're not here to counsel. You're not coming up. They're not going to start trying to counsel you. These folks are stepping into these places and they are here simply to say that they're going to pray with you. Okay. It's not going to turn into a counseling session. So you don't have to worry about that. They just want to stand and pray with you. So if you need prayer, come to one of these people here in just a moment. And let me extend this before I go on. I don't want there to be one person in this room someday in eternity that doesn't make it to heaven. Nothing would grieve my heart worse than to know that someone who sat through the word of God that I had anything to do with had ever missed heaven and gone the other way. I don't want I don't want to ever think that anyone here doesn't make it to heaven. And so if there's something that you feel is hindering you from that, if you've never given your heart to Christ or if you're walking away from God, we talked about it a week or two ago, you just walked in such a direction that you feel like you're so far from home. There's no place like home. You ready to come back home? Then don't leave here today without Letting one of these individuals lead you in that prayer. Such a simple prayer. But if you mean it from your heart, it's going to change your life. And I want to know. I want to know. I'm going to know. I'm going to ask. I want to know who gave their heart to Christ today. 
So as they lead us in this song, all over this room, if you want to come and pray with these, whatever God lays on your heart, come and gather around the altars, kneel around the seats. You can stand, you can sit, you can walk, whatever you want to do. This is a Pentecostal church. And there's freedom here for you to worship God in spirit and truth. And there's freedom here for you to pray the way that you need to pray. Don't let this opportunity get away from you without doing that. Amen. God bless you. Let's pray together.